0: Savings, all your
1: emotions, so he can be Christ. His name is the deceiver. The pastors don't think these things are going out of their interrogation. I believe that the devil does exist. Be a disciple and make
2: disciples,
1: and you don't do that by being a pastor spectator.
2: Confronting the devil with the overwhelming, almighty, omnipotent power of the Lord Jesus Christ. His power is absolute, he cannot be stopped. Welcome to Confronting the Devil, Fearless Dialogue. Here's your host, Kevin Collier.
1: Thank you for joining us. Our guest for this program is Kim Hilton. But before that, my lovely wife Kristen is with me, and she'll lead us off in prayer.
2: This is from Luther's Prayers, edited by Herbert F. Brokering. This is a prayer when death draws near about humbly submitting to God. My dear God, if you want this to be the hour of death, let your will be done. Lord God, you are most precious to me. You know how gladly I would have shed my blood for the sake of your word, but I may not deserve this honor. Your will be done. If it is your will, I shall die gladly. Only let your holy name be praised and glorified by my sufferings and death. If it were possible, dear God, I would live longer for the cause of your blessed and chosen people. But if the hour has come, then have your way. You are the Lord of life and death. Amen.
1: Thank you, Kristen. Kristen, for believers frightened by world events, what did Jesus say about how he would show himself to us and not to the world?
2: This is from John 14, starting with verse 18. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him.
1: Thank you, Kristen. Kim Hilton has a master's degree in Christian counseling, is an author and the founder of OneTrueChurch.org. Kim, welcome to the program. Thank you. Kim, how has the devil been coming against your Christian efforts through distraction and opposition?
0: Well, one of the biblical and descriptive versions of what the devil is and his name is the deceiver. If you understand that entirely Satan's approach to us is not only game that we can be completely deceived and manipulated to think it's another individual or it's a situation or it's circumstance and not be aware that this is part of the devil's scheme. And so what he's doing with me is giving me a lot of distractions through other people. And one of the things that I teach is sort of like if you want to clap your hands and your hands are almost a touch, but they're not quite touching. When you're praying for something or wanting something or working on something or yearning for it, if you are not spiritually in tune, you will pick the deception, which would be the other hand. And so you have to be on top of your game to be fully aware of where the deceptions are. And so one of the things that's been going on with me, first of all, people that may not be in agreement with what I'm doing, it can be family members, it can be neighbors, It can be people through social media or maybe even a pastor. And a lot of times that happens through leadership of a church, people that you've looked up to, and suddenly you're hearing things that are very discouraging. You're hearing things that may even be scriptures, but are meant to throw you off. And I say this often, never, ever forget that Satan tempted Jesus with scripture. He is very, very aware of Scripture, and he's very knowledgeable of Scripture. And it can be manipulated against us. If we are not, like I said, the two hands together, if you're not in tune, you you're going to pick the wrong one, and you're going to pick the deception, and you're going to be fooled.
1: Kim, in your teachings, you address the armor of God. Elaborate on that.
0: I have a teaching, and I'm going to have to be able to do it in sort of a condensed version in this interview here. But in Ephesians 6, we are told specifically about the armor of God, but one thing that people are not aware of that's right there, and we read it, and you just skim right through it, we have to put that armor on. It's not already on us. It is an action on our part, and a choice that we have to do is to put on that uniform Put on the armor. Do the work. If you go through the list, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth buckled around our waist, our feet fitted in the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that is the only aggressive piece of equipment in this armor is the Word of God. Everything else is a defensive piece of armor and equipment. And one thing that I did in this study, probably three or four weeks, to get it completely done, but I broke it down in the Greek, word by word by word, and the actual description, when you read it, translated literally out of the Greek, it is something far deeper and greater than what we're actually reading in our versions, and it is a whole class that takes two or three sessions in my classes to go through. Like to um, somewhere during this, I'd like to share sort of the completed reading of that to get the magnitude of what the actual passage means in Ephesians 6.
1: Certainly. Soldiers of God can't win the battle hiding in a bunker. I understand the end times narrative in the media, I can see it too. But there's this pervasive tone out there that leads individuals to live in fear. How do we as Christians become fearless in these times of spiritual warfare?
0: Okay. You can have faith, but you do not have the courage to apply your faith, or you have courage to handle a situation, but you don't have the faith to believe it's going to work out. But when you combine faith and courage together, you can face any giant, and there's a book I believe it's called Facing the Giant, but if you think about with David and Goliath, he ran two Goliaths that whole story. Everyone was afraid. Everyone stayed back. He had faith and courage combined, and he, with the stone, brought the giant down. And in many of our situation in our lives, we may have faith, or we can discuss faith all we want, but we don't have the courage to go talk to that person or handle the situation or even go through it. And, you know, we'll just discuss faith all we want, but we just sit back. end-time prophecy. First of all, let's go back to Noah. If Noah had sat back and said, I praise you, Yahweh, I love you, Yahweh, Yahweh, I worship you, Yahweh, he would have drowned in the flood. There was a specific assignment that was given to him, and through his obedience, he was and his family saved, that we have to have a level of obedience into faith, and when we are walking in that faith journey, we can trust that God is with us. Because I ask this question with people in these situations about the end times. Did Noah say God would provide for him, or did Noah obey knowing God would protect him? There is always protection after obedience. We have to apply our faith, and if you read Great Hall of Faith, that it's Noah's faith and his obedience through faith is what is remembered and discussed. But as long as we are obedient and through our faith, that we're going to be okay.
1: You wrote about the blisters of the saints. Why do you think so many American Christians are unwilling to sacrifice for God?
0: Well, because it hurts. Who wants it to hurt? Who wants to suffer? And there's not even that teaching in the comfortable American church. It is not taught that it's honorable to suffer. We're not uncomfortable. In our country, if you don't work, you get food stamps. If you don't work, you get assistance. If you don't work, somebody's going to pick up the slack for you. But in other countries, if they don't work, they don't eat. If they don't work, they don't have things. So they understand the depth and the level of suffering. So in our comfortable American
2: society,
0: there are people that don't even have a clue of what it means to give up something for the Lord. I'm not talking about the leftover vegetables in the back of the cabinet of sauerkraut that you take for the canned good drive at church. Years ago, I would say to my children, when we give our food, we're going to give food so that we feel it, that we feel the pitch. Because if we're giving the leftovers, we're not really giving; we're just sharing. There's a difference. Yeah. And so you talk about the blisters of the saints, you know. How far and how willing are we to take the blow for Christ? And that's where it stops. And that's why the word says that many will fall away because there's many people that don't want to be uncomfortable and don't want to suffer. And they don't even have an understanding of
1: it. Well, they don't want to be inconvenienced. It appears in modern times, evil is winning over and over and over. Isn't it the fault of passive Christians who relinquish more and more territory to the enemy? We are just surrendering and handing it over.
0: Right. Because, once again, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes being called out, it takes giving up your time, it takes going to a location and having a rally, and nobody wants to do that. So everybody, once again, wants to stay at home and watch TV, or they'd rather sit around the grill and cook out than to give up their Sunday night, or doesn't have to be Sunday night, but whatever night it is, or a full Saturday and show up and be identified and this is one of the main things that I am teaching is to be very much aware and it's simple as this know your identity it's going to be your identity that's going to save you and in the end it's going to be your identity that reveals to others who you are and you have to know that you will absolutely have to know your identity and if you don't know it now when somebody comes banging on your door and you have that split-second decision You better know who you are, because you're not going to even have the chance to pick and choose. You've got to already know ahead of time.
1: Isn't this where the prosperity gospel took hold, where megachurches can have services that don't even mention Jesus and focus on what you can get rather than give?
0: Let's just keep it simple. The takers are fakers. This prosperity message And this comfort message is actually shameful, Mm -hmm. and I understand that there are people that may disagree with and, once again, may pick and manipulate Scripture to justify that position, but let me tell you, when our Lord Jesus, whom we serve and identify with, had no place for His own head, and when the charge of the apostles was given by Christ that He told them to go, to not even take a suitcase with them, to not take money with them, not take a change of clothes or change of shoes, for them to trust God for where they will oh, and by the way, you're going to be flogged, you're going to be beaten, you're going to be hungry, and you're going to be put in front of the town squares, And but don't worry, I will give you the words to speak. If that's the charge, where is this, you need to have all of this money and you need to have all of these belongings to say that you are a blessed person of Christ? And I personally, I just want nothing to do with that. I don't sell my books so that I can have money to use for myself. If I make money off of it, I turn around and give it away. I will not peddle the word of God for profit. And um, it's one of those scripture situations where there's much being manipulated, and I believe we're going to even see it in front of us, which was the prophetic word that I received, three portions that I got. The one part was to those who stand in the pulpit. It's very, very clear what God is saying about those who are standing in the pulpit and this message they're trying to put by people and expect them to believe it because it's nonsense.
1: I would be suspect of anyone calling themselves a Christian warrior that wasn't full of scars.
0: Right. I've said this before. I've had people, I've got them to get a piece of paper out and I said, okay, I want you to draw what you think Paul looks like. You know, they just sort of draw a little stick person. And then I say, well, let me read this. Jesus was flogged once, the 39 blows. Paul received that three times. He was shipwrecked. He was starved. He was stoned. He was imprisoned in dungeons, in chains. On and on it goes. What do you think if he walked into your church building and took off his shirt, what do you really think he looked like? Do you think that he did not walk with a limp or hunched over? This man was bloodied and beat, and he had to run, and he was out during the night, and he was hungry, and he was cold, and he was in the ocean, and you name it, it was done to him. And then we read these passages by him that you should weep, some of them at the beginning, and some at the end say this phrase, remember my chains. He was in a dungeon chained on his arms and legs for the cause of Christ. And we want to wear our nice clothes. And these prosperity preachers drive these fancy cars, and they will have some things to to answer to.
1: Kim, I realized a long time ago not to pray for things you want, but instead ask my Lord, what can I do for you?
0: You know, years ago, and it was when I was in Bible college, and it's funny that I remember this vividly, but I went to a Chinese restaurant and opened a little fortune cookie, you know, just a little cookie. (laughs) And it said, pray for the things you need work for the things you want and I've never forgotten that it's just simple we are here to serve our God we're here to serve our brothers and sisters and if we had ever had the real true swapping of identities so to speak and be raised in another country where they don't have all the extras and they depend on each other and they are Christians and they're under oppression and they know how to share and they know what it means to be without and here we are we have this mindset that everything is about us everything is about what we need and what we want the whole assignment is take up your cross daily and I used to really be puzzled about that I was like what what does that mean you know what does that mean to take up your cross daily and I really struggled and prayed about it and the Lord revealed part is he chose to die on that cross, which means we are to choose Followers of Christ dealt with is they went all in and they were all without for the sake of others and following the way that I teach that we are followers of the way
1: in today's society isn't political correctness the devil's best friend
0: yeah because somebody is making the rules and let me tell you who's making the rules the ones with the more liberal viewpoint they get to say foul you've offended me foul okay that's not fair I don't like that and that makes me uncomfortable So I'm going to say I'm offended. You're not allowed to say that. I don't like that. And so now there's this funny little thing going on, and it's political correctness. And that's gotten a title. But let's just say what it is. It's the correct way to not make somebody who is in sin feel uncomfortable and feel the awkwardness. And here's an example. Okay, there's a line, you know, right and wrong. You know, we know that in math, 2 plus 2 is 4. It's on the left side. That's right. You know, we can do all this other stuff on the other side, but guess what? It's not right because 2 plus 2 is 4 over here. So then we get into morality. Okay, that's not this, and we shouldn't that, and we can't that. And over here is the other side. Well, there's people that chose to be on the other side, but they don't like this, the fact that there's some over there. So therefore, we're not comfortable, and it becomes an us and a they. So therefore, it's you've offended us. We don't like what you're saying, and you're not allowed to make us feel uncomfortable over here, so we're going to make some new rules. And whenever you say those things, I'm going to say, that's not nice. Well, now it's going to be against the law. You can't say transgenders can't use that bathroom. You can't say gays or homosexuals are going to hell. You can't even say that as an identity group. So, therefore, those words are not allowed. So all stuff in the title of political correctness is driving everybody crazy because there's all these unspoken rules, and now they're going to be coming laws to take over, and it all started from right to wrong, and those that chose to be on the wrong side want to let everybody know they don't like being identified over here. So we're not going to be allowed to say those kind of things because that makes us uncomfortable.
1: Our grandparents found out firsthand they couldn't win a world war when you're concerned about offending your enemy. The gay marriage issue is just a bait pastor to brand them with hate speech. Maybe that way they can shut down the church or jail the pastor. Righteous Christians are submitting to political correctness.
0: Right. And it goes back to the compliance, you know, the silent majority. We really, I'm talking we, the Christians, have been the majority in this country, but for whatever reason, we need to really address this, but we have chosen to be silent. We have not wanted to rally. We have not wanted to put forth the effort. We have been too comfortable and plump, and... Bit by bit, the inch has taken the mile. It is happening, and our freedoms are going to be removed from us. And in many ways, we deserve this because we've allowed it to happen. We have not spoken up. We have allowed little by little by little because, you know, we don't want to be called out. We don't want to be told we're radical. We don't want to be told that we're that person that's speaking out on the corner. We don't want to be identified with anything that's unique or unusual. So we just sit back and say, God is love. God is love. And he's so much More than just love. He has a standard. He has expectations of his children. He expects us to be in obedience. And we have just laid back and given it up. We've just bellied up. All the fish are bellied up.
1: So we lay down our spiritual weaponry and say God is all about love while the enemy is driving a road grader over us. Amen. Well said. But Christians give into this, they lay down their swords.
0: Well, you know, the warriors have to train, the warriors have to be knowledgeable, the warriors have to be fit. They have to get in there and fight the battle. And I was reading an interesting article just a few days ago about... What is going on in Christian home and why are children not attending church if they were raised in a Christian home? And it was talking about the stuff that's going on in the Christian homes, the television shows and the movies that are being watched, the things that they're doing, the amount of time that they're not even spending in the Word of God. Because although we're claiming to be Christian, we do not have any depth to us, that we have a superficial title, a little T-shirt that we wear, we have a Bible that is gathering dust. God said, you come week after week into my house when my book gathers dust in yours. The Christians are not reading the words. They're not doing all of that. So therefore, what happens when it's time to stand up, they don't know how to fight that because they don't have the training and knowledge within them. They just have some sort of a title. It's sort of like you going to war. Like right now, I'm an American soldier. I've got my fatigues on and the little name tag on the front and I take off running and I have a duffel bag and I get over there and I don't even know what I'm doing because I haven't done any of the training to be able to work with the unit. It's a shame really and I feel bad for what's fixing to happen. The word clearly says that many will fall away. And I was just having this conversation with one of my children earlier today that I pray daily that it not be me, that I withstand the pressure, that I withstand the temptations, that I withstand the hardships that are fixing to come, so that I can, in the end, have given it all up and been strong enough to remain faithful. I'd like to share what I did with Ephesians 6. Please do. I took this word for word out of the Greek and put it together. That's why it's very, very careful what you're reading in the translations. Why the King James Version is such a good version to be reading is because it is a word-for-word translation. The specificness of what is really, really said. But what I'm going to share with you is what I did using the Greek word-for-word. And I want you to understand the power in this passage of what we have available to us and what is happening to us in the fight With Satan. Now, this is through the translation literally out of the Greek, starting at verse 10. Something remains, my brothers, as in the womb. Be empowered with the supernatural strength and the supreme authority Lord and the dominion power of his appointed ability of forcefulness. Sink into the garment of the experience usually painful, the armor that's its weapon for war to show as a public example of the supreme divinity God, so that you are able with power to hold up and stand against the trickery of the false accuser, slanderer, the devil. For our vibrate, thrust, slap, Fling, deliberate hurl, is not towards human flesh, skin, or blood, but towards the ranked power, towards superhuman power, authority, jurisdiction, towards the world ruler, carry with harm, epithet of Satan, of the shadiness, error, shadow, from the beginning of the world of time, towards the supernatural, regenerate, not carnal spirit, bestial, nation, in nature, demon, the devil, celestial, in the universe, everywhere receiving to you the experience usually painful that armor that's defensive weapon for war to show as a public example of the supreme divinity God so that you are able with power to stand against and resist in the malicious wicked to harm lewd derelict 24 hours a day and sink into that garment that works fully to finish and done absolutely all to hold up and stand upright hold up and stand upright certainly. Sinking into that garment with the truth and doctrine and profession fastened to your hip. Sinking into that garment, the thorax corset of innocent and holy in character and actions. With your feet bound under with being prepared inside with the good message of prosperity, quietness, and rest. Top rank over everything. Receive up the door-shaped portal gate entrance, shield of assurance of truth itself, of reliance upon Christ for salvation, at which place you are able with power to put out thoroughly the fiery, kindled, ignited, inflamed with anger, missiles, spears, arrows, and darts of the one who fell from original virtue, the vicious, malicious, evil, grievous, and more wicked devil. Accept the encirclement of the head of the defender, the healer, to make whole salvation Christ, and the judicial punishment sword for fighting controversy, war of the strong, last breath of God, in the narration pouring forth no evil of supreme divinity God. Supplicate worship, oratory prayer, earnestly between rests, every way possible in the active, operative, effectual, powerful, thoroughly at the proper time. Thorough oratory words to God, requests in the gentle breath, the voluntary with all heart, life, mind, soul, and to keep awake, be sleepless until the purpose result reached, while with thorough persistence to adhere closely to beg and request out of the Greek. It's very powerful. But the particular word that's used for the shield of faith is the only time in all of the Bible that specific word is used. And it's described as a door-shaped portal entrance. All of the other references to armor and to a shield, it's a totally different word. This specific word describes a door-shaped portal entrance. That means that we're going in us and takes us to a whole different level and it protects us. But I wanted to share that the next time that you're ready to put on your armor of God, understand the power you have with you, but most importantly, understand the power that you're fighting. This is someone who has been given dominion and jurisdiction over the earth that is set about to devour us, that clearly is shooting at us fiery Painful, dark weapons he's shooting at us. But if you do not put the armor on and use that double-sided sword which convicts and condemns, if you're not aware of what you're using, you're going to become defeated. You have to do the work.
1: Amen. It's a blessing from God made available to all of us. Praise God. Thank you so much. Thank you. Kim Hilton. You can visit Kim Hilton online at OneTrueChurch.org. That's the number one, T-R-U-E, church Also, subscribe to Kim Hilton's YouTube channel. Kristen and I did a long time ago, and we watch her videos. You should, too. And I see my wife is sitting right beside me. And, Kristen, can you close the show with a prayer?
2: This is from Luther's Prayers, edited by Herbert F. Brokering, for restoration of what the devil has attempted to destroy. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel is suffering. Your name is profaned. Christians are persecuted and murdered. The right doctrine is suppressed. The devil's rule of wickedness is spreading. All the blessed departed Christians and saints who lie forgotten in the earth have returned to dust and ashes. Come and display your glory in your church. Restore your name and the blood of martyrs and bring them again to their glory. Amen.
1: Thank you very much, Kristen. I appreciate my audience. Please pray for us as we will pray for you. On our next program, Evangelist Elvita King, a niece of the civil rights leader, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and Christian and political historian William Federer. Here's a preview of Elvita King.
0: Jesus came to overcome the works of the devil. We should be in a time of occupation during the end times. Jesus said, occupied for our Tom, The most effective weapon against Satan is praise, because God inhabits the praises of his people, but it must come in spirit and in truth.
1: And here's a preview of William Federer. Separation of church and state was to keep the federal government out of the state government and the church's business. We have to remind ourselves that the states created the federal government, but Frankenstein-like, the creature wants to destroy the creator. (laughs) Don't miss it. And that wraps it up for this program. I want to thank my wife, Kristen Collier, and our announcer, Steve Matheson. He kicks us off and kicks us out. Till next time, God bless you. And remember, do not let fear steal your faith.
2: This has been Confronting the Devil with your host, Kevin Collier. Visit online at confrontingthedevil.blogspot.com. Thank you.